Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Schultz with a great follow at AJ Schultz24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. And we are very grateful for the support from our primary sponsors at Owner's Box. We'll tell you a little bit about them later. But uh, off the top, AJ, I would like to review the Hall of Fame class from 2020. We finally got around to celebrating them here in Toronto last week. And uh, I'll leave it to you to lead off with the first member of that hall. We'll make comments about all of them and uh, tip of the cap to everybody, tip of the cap to everybody involved. Yeah. So uh, first, first name that, that we'll talk about is Ken Holland, the longtime general manager of the Red Wings, currently with the Oilers. Um, obviously, you know the Red Wings were, uh, you know, he was part of their their twenty five year stretch of of making the playoffs every year says a lot about uh, about the type of team that he was able to build. Um, you know, I, I definitely think navigating everything pre-cap, uh, it, it was represented its own challenges compared to nowadays with post-cap. Um, there's no easy way to do it, but clearly built the Detroit Red Wings into, you know, perennial uh, contenders. Absolutely, AJ. And, of course, he was mentored by a friend of this show, Jimmy DeVellano, who, uh, for my money, is still one of the best GMs in hockey history. Uh, um, maybe even better, I rate him better than Holland. He won eight Stanley Cups in his career as a pro. But Kenny Holland learned from the best. Uh, Scotty Bowman was part of that mix in Detroit as well. You mentioned the long run of consecutive playoff appearances. I don't think we'll see that happen again for a long time. Uh, just uh, the sport is too competitive and, and hard to sustain under the salary cap these days. So that's an unprecedented run, in my opinion. Next up, we'll highlight Marian Hossa, AJ. This guy scored 525 goals and 609 assists and pulled off three, was part of three Stanley Cup wins in Chicago. But he missed out on a couple more because of trades that moved him from Detroit and Pittsburgh in years where uh, those teams were, were right around the cup contention. You brought that up to me earlier in the show and uh, quite famously uh, missing out on, on uh, three straight cups in a row for three different teams. Uh, you might want to fill our listeners in on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, actually signings, not, not, not trades there, but he um, you know was with, with Pittsburgh uh, for, you know, their, their cup run in 08, 09, um, which I, I, that one I do believe was a, a or 07, 08 rather. Uh, that one I do believe was a trade acquired by the Penguins. Went all the way to Stanley Cup Finals where they lost to Detroit. Then the next year he opted to sign with the Red Wings uh, in order to win a Stanley Cup. His words, not mine. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, that was the second year that those teams squared off against each other. And he found himself on the losing side of that one again. But fortunately for Marion Hossa, he got it right after that, joining Chicago. And would play, as you said, in a third straight Stanley Cup final that year, finally winning it with Chicago going on to win two more from there. Next uh, Hall of Fame guy we'll talk about, Jerome Aginla. Uh, most notably uh, known for his time with Calgary, 15 years spent there. Spent uh, a few stops with Boston, Pittsburgh, Colorado, and L.A. after that. You know, I think uh, you're talking about a four-time All-Star, you know, um, Richard Trophy winner. Like, that might be one of the best 
guys to uh, not win a cup, to be perfectly blunt about it. You know, I'm, there's obviously several names out there that fall into that category, but I would certainly consider Jerome McGinley up there among uh, those class of guys who fantastic careers, but just unfortunately couldn't put it together uh, on the cup side. No question. Although he can point to two Olympic gold medals for Canada. So I'll happily point that out, but he had. Good yeah. This won't matter down here, Paul. I, I couldn't care less about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember both of those tourneys very fondly for the great outcome. So maybe you kind of blacked it out of your memory. <laughs> and next up we have Kevin Lowe. This guy was all around the Stanley cup, five cup wins in his 13 years with Edmonton, and he added a sixth with the Rangers in 1994, and uh, he burned me at the Hockey Hall of Fame speech that he did, AJ, because he mentioned maybe the Leafs should try and sign some of us old Edmonton Oilers and finally end their <laughs> cup uh, winless streak. So uh, that was quite a shot across the bow uh, right in Toronto at the ceremony. He, uh, for his part, was primarily a defensive defenseman of note, he also was Wayne Gretzky's longtime roommate. He accumulated 432 points in 1,254 games. I mean, how can you not score a bunch of points when uh, that team was scoring around 400 goals a year? But uh, one of the finest uh, defensive defensemen in hockey history. And it's kind of neat to see that type of player get the nod in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not just about points after all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's at some point to, to what you're saying, Paul, you have to look at, uh, you know, the the victories, right? So, yeah, the, the point totals might not be there, but there's a reason this guy is a, you know, six-time cup winner. He, he doesn't just, you know, sh- he didn't stumble into these teams uh, and add nothing for, for them to win the cup. So certainly good uh, to see him uh, added to, to the hall there. And then, uh, you know, acknowledging, uh, you know, his, his career, uh, AJ, next- let, me, let me jump in, AJ. I'm going to take the next one because you have pan Team Canada already. So I'll spare you, <laughs> spare you from insulting my country again. <laughs> Kidding, of course. But uh, Kim St. Pierre was the goalie for Team Canada on three Olympic gold winning teams and five world championship gold medal clubs too. Listen to the goals against average here. It's almost like soccer uh, soccer stats when you consider 117, 117 goals against average and a 93.9 save percent. Now, granted, the competition is a little thin once you get past the two powers in Canada and United States, but team, other teams in other countries are closing that gap. But uh, to her credit, Kim St. Pierre was the best goalie that I ever saw in the female game donning Canadian colors. So kudos to her for joining this class. And uh, finally, AJ, Doug Wilson, what do you say about him? Well, yeah, I think for, you know, for me uh, being a a bit younger of age, uh, I only really recognize Doug Wilson as uh, general manager of, of the the sharks and kind of his front office career. Um, But, you know, you look back, you're talking about a guy that's a three-time all-star won the Norris Trophy uh, back in in the 81-82 season and really had a a phenomenal 16-year career, mostly with the Blackhawks, appeared in uh, 1,024 games, 827 points to show for it. So, you know, for a defenseman, those are really good numbers, especially, you know, going back into, you know, that that era. Nowadays, we expect defensemen to rack up points, but um, that wasn't always the case and and really put together – uh, a phenomenal career on the ice and continues to 
um, put together some decent teams uh, with with the Sharks. And AJ, I am old enough to remember Doug Wilson's playing career. This guy had the most feared slap shot in the game uh, during his time with Chicago, and uh, he was all a lock to get a goal if if he could unleash that that weapon uh, with a clear shot on goal. It seemed like he did it against the Leafs so many times in my memory, and uh, just a real class act on and off the ice. So, congratulations to him and all of the people that uh, made the class of 2020, finally getting to celebrate them a year after they were announced. And I wonder how that's going to work about catching up with with the year in the class, AJ, uh, going forward. But uh, congratulations to this this group, uh, all very, very uh, accomplished uh, with their uh, exceptional careers and worthy recipients of this, this honor. With that, we will swing into our weekly look. We're now five weeks into the season already, AJ, and we got a bit of a book on, on several teams and several players that I'm going to highlight with you, some high, some breakout players, and also we'll probably find some players that uh, have really underperformed along the way. So let me start with the look at the Anaheim Ducks. This is a team that we have noted was very very low-scoring club for the last couple of years, but they've reeled off eight straight wins because not only are they getting the exceptional goal attending from John Gibson, who allowed only seven goals against with the three wins that he registered last week, uh, but they're getting great performances from, from some youngsters who are really showing the way alongside Ryan Getzlaff, who led the club with six assists last week, but Tre- Trevor Zegris, four goals and one helper, and, and Troy Terry just continues to wear out goalies with two more goals and three assists. He's one of our first uh, guys that I'll highlight finally for a breakout season. And uh, joining him in the scoring parade, Adam Henrique, who is finding his groove now right behind uh, Geslaff and and Zegras. They've got a lot of options at center. They're going to move one of these guys to the wing on a regular basis to make room for all of them. some of that room was created by an injury to Max Comtois, though an upper body hurt, so he'll be sidelined for a bit. And they're also getting great work from a veteran defense. Cam Fowler's having an outstanding start to his season, added another three points last weekend, as did Hampus Lindholm. In Arizona, uh, they're going to get some some good news here on, on the injury front. They've had a number of guys that have been pretty banged up for, for quite a while here. Christian Fisher being one of them, Anton Strahlman, Johan Larson, but they're going to get Ryan Zingle back tonight. Uh, that'll be his first game since about late October. Now, uh, his fantasy numbers were pretty grim before the injury, was uh, goalless in his first six games with just eight shots on net, or seven shots on net, rather. So you'd like to see him maybe start putting the puck on net. Uh, but if he can find his game, which he has shown glimpses of in the past, I mean, this is a guy – with two 20-goal seasons under his belt, though it hasn't been since 2018-19 uh, since he did that. So they'll, they'll need to get him going if, if they want to try and at least make things harder on uh, the rest of the league. And then Scott Wedgwood will be making his second start in uh, Arizona Colors here. And really, uh, you know, I think at this point, uh, have to consider – or I'm sorry, it'll be uh, – I apologize. It'll be his fifth start, second straight in a row. But uh, I would say he actually hasn't looked too bad. And it'll be interesting to see what they do when Carter Hutton comes back, if they're able uh, to split the crease between the two of them, if they decide to roll with Wedgwood. Um, But no real update on Carter Hart at this point. 
in Boston, they've played a few ga- few fewer games than most of their uh, teams in uh, in their division so far this year. They went two and one in a lighter schedule, and uh, Jeremy Swayman receded for two of those wins with four goals against. He's actually outplayed Linus Ulmark by quite a margin in the Nets, and that's a bit of a surprise and maybe a concern for the Bruins. If Allmark doesn't start to live up the hefty salary that he's paid, being paid, that could become a bit of a problem there. But uh, Swayman's looking good, and I'm hearing little whispers that Tuka Rask might not be long for uh, the sidelines and may also wind up being a part of this mix. Not that he's signed yet with Boston, but he's already indicated that he won't play anywhere else, and he would like to continue his career at some point uh, this season. Offensively, again, the, the perfection line leading this scoring parade David Pasternak with five points, Bergeron and Marchand with four apiece. But they're getting good work out of Charlie Coyle in the second line role at center. And he's going to have help coming off the IR in Nick Foligno, who's finally ready to join the club after a bit of a lengthy stay on the sidelines with an injury. They're going to try him out at second line uh, on the right wing. I think that's a bit of a reach for Foligno. He, he, thrived more in a third-line role in the last couple of stops in his career. But it remains to be seen if he finds some of that Boston stardust and uh, gets to perform at a higher level level than we've seen recently. In Buffalo, it's you know more of the same from what we're seeing from a lot of clubs, a, a bit of a war of attrition here. Casey Middlestad still sideline. Obviously, Alex Tuck, we haven't gotten a chance to see yet. And Victor Olofsson remains out of action in addition to Craig Anderson. So it's been Dustin Tokarski in their last three games, picked up a pair of wins there. And perhaps most importantly for this club is Jeff Skinner continues to uh, produce at at a decent rate for them. Uh, And in decent, you know, when you compare to last year, had two goals and one assist in the last week, although all three of those points came against your Leafs. Um, although, fortunately for you, Paul, Toronto was able to pull off the win over Buffalo, unlike somebody else's club recently. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about our clubs until a little bit later in the show, but interesting point by you. Up next, we look at the Carolina Hurricanes. They, they're leading the league, AJ, and uh, went 2-1 and one last week. Of course, the signature player on the first line, Sebastian Ajo, leading the scoring parade with four points, and he's riding shotgun with him as... Andrei Svechnikov with three assists. Seth Jarvis is the guy that completes that unit, and he automatically qualifies for my sidekick tryout theory, at least. you got to keep an eye on this guy in uh, DFS play if he's going to get to play in that high-rent district going forward. He hasn't really scored uh, consistently enough to uh, land a permanent gig in the NHL, but this is as good a shot as he's ever had. So I'm going to keep an eye out to see if he does make good on it. And uh, in uh, more good news, they get uh, Brett Pesci back in the lineup. He's been dealing with a bit of an undisclosed injury, and he could play tonight, as I understand it. That's the news I'm hearing. Anyway, so uh, over to you with the Calgary notes. Yeah, for for the Flames here, you know, they uh, made an interesting move at at practice today that I think is – Important to note, they flipped Sean Monaghan and, and Mikael Backlund. So it's going to be Backlund who plays with Andrew Mangiapane, um, who is coming off a real good week with two goals in his last four games, uh, alongside Blake Coleman. So uh, I'm a little surprised to see that move, especially when you consider Monaghan had three assists in the last week. Um, and the other thing that they're going to need here to, to figure out, for how you know hot this team really started, they, they had a real good – 
Um, October, November has been a bit of a letdown, specifically Markstrom in his last six games. It's just one, two, and three, a 2.32 goals against average, which says to me, it's not really a Markstrom problem, right? Like 2.32, that's, that's pretty good. Save percentage, 9.16. Like, yeah, okay, maybe you, if you want to be nitpicky, maybe you want him closer to 9.2 here. But um, really, to me, it speaks to an offensive problem, which could explain why they're going to flip things around today. Um, but from a DFS standpoint, you know, just be aware, Monahan. You know, has the better numbers over the last week, but he's going to be playing with uh, what I would argue slightly less talent here in in Tyler Pitlick and Dylan Dubé. Yeah, he must be residing in the Chateau Bow Wow out there in Calgary (laughs) in the doghouse with their hardline coach. Uh, It's been that way since the beginning of the season. This guy's a top six player. I'm not really sure why he's in the third line role. They're paying him a lot of money too. I wonder if uh, there's going to be trade noise around him before too long. Also worth noting there is Oliver Shillington finally getting a look uh, to play in high leverage minutes and rewarding this club offensively with a pair of goals and assists. This guy was a pretty high draft pick not so long ago and finally rewarding uh, Calgary, at least in some way, uh, for uh, their patience. In Chicago, the Hawks are riding a four-game winning streak, and my partner has got to be thrilled that Marc-Andre Fleury has been in net for two of those uh, two of the last wins last week with three goals against. In fact, look at the last seven games played by Marc-Andre Fleury, 16 goals against. He's on the top of his game again, and uh, the Hawks are going to be a tougher out going forward, I think, if he can maintain that level. Offensively, of course, they're being led by the duo of Debrinkat and Kane. Debrinkat with three goal, three points last week. Kane, another four points in his ledger. But it's on defense that the, the most notable contribution is coming from Seth Jones, a guy who they signed in the offseason. He's a monster of uh, a physical specimen and uh, gifted uh, at both ends of the ice. He has 11 points in 11 of his last 12 games. And so that's great. the great news there. But uh, some troubling news is another guy that uh, is on the books for a lot of money there is Tyler Johnson. He's in COVID protocol, and he's also dealing with a neck injury, so it's no wonder that he's landed on the IR, and that's a tough blow for uh, a Hawks team that is uh, finally turning the corner a little bit. The Blue Jackets are starting to um, get decent production in their last three games out of, out of some of their guys here. Sean Corrales, two goals, one assist. Uh, Alex Textier, uh, two and one. Jacob Vorsek, one goal and two assists as well. So a number of guys finding uh, some offensive production here. But the problem is for, for Columbus fans is over that stretch, the net mining uh, has been pretty bad, to be perfectly honest with you. Elvis Merz-Lickens, one and one with a .882 save percentage. And Jonas Corbisalo uh, lost his only start in which he gave out four goals on just 28 shots. So really, uh, while the offense seems to be finding a, a bit of a groove, I mean, they're not blowing anybody out by any stretch of the imagination, but guys are producing that, that you expect to. Um, they need better on, on the back end, and, and you really have to wonder – you know, it's it's not an injury issue. They've got all of their defensemen. Certainly, uh, they would look better if they still had Seth Jones. Um, they don't have Max Dome. They don't have Patrick Laine right now due to illness and, and coming out of the COVID protocols in, in Dome's case. But uh, you really can't blame that right now, in, in my opinion. This looks more like a, a, a defensive problem, which is interesting when you consider their their previous coach, uh, John Tortorello was such a hawk when it came to, uh, you know, protecting the net and, and playing defensive hockey. 
Yeah, AJ, and I'm looking at that second line, very thin when you consider Igor Shinnikov and Cole Sillinger playing alongside Jacob Voracek, the one veteran on that group, but the other two guys were not uh, players that we talked about even in our preseason scouting of this team. So uh, they're really hurt by the injuries of the two big names. You mentioned Domi and Laine, but still managing to stay afloat based on the quality of the net mining pretty much uh, over anything else that's happened on this team. The, Columbia, the Colorado team, the Avs are still without Nathan McKinnon, but they're scoring a ton, and it's no wonder they went 3-0 and last week. Darcy Kemper receding for all three wins with a total of five goals against. Consider Rantanen with six points, uh, Landis Cog with four points, Kadri on a tear with seven points last week, Sa- uh, Girard on the back end with six points, McCarr with four, all kinds of scoring going on. The one downside note uh, among all these is J.T. Comfer has been put on the IR. He's going to be out for about a month with a neck injury. They added Nicholas Obey-Kubel, a guy who played in the Philadelphia organization. And uh, I saw a couple of very negative scouting references to this, to this guy, wondering if the Avs are going to get any, anything out of him. Scouts said, this guy has zero hockey IQ, and he's a numbskull. Those aren't my words. Those, those are scouting references that are leaked, and all I can say is, yikes, I don't know what Colorado thinks they, they're getting there. I mean, if he couldn't play in Philadelphia, what makes anybody think he's going to thrive in Colorado? I'm not sure other than to say maybe it's a rising tide that lifts all boats. I mean, when you when you lose Comfier uh, on top of the fact that McKinnon's going to be out until early January or uh, early December here, uh, you kind of just need bodies, right? So, you know, maybe that's part of it. A, a guy with some NHL experience that, that can fill in a, a, spot, a, a spot, at least until one of those guys can come back. In Dallas, uh, it's been all Jason Robertson of late, uh, two goals and two assists, including a three-point performance on Tuesday against Detroit. This uh, this kind of relative unknown is, is riding a four-game Point streak, which includes uh, a duo of multi-point efforts in total on the year. It's three goals and six assists in eight games. So Jason Robertson, um, you know, I, I call him a relative unknown. He, um, I was obviously thinking of somebody else <laughs> after his rookie year last year that saw him 45 points in 51 games, um, confusing him with Pearson here. Apologies there. Um, so, yeah, Robinson just picking up where he left off last year, playing on the top line with Rupe Hintz and, and Joe Pavelski. And Hintz, for his part, two goals and one assist in the last week. Look, the you know, we've talked about this team and, you know, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn not doing enough. Those guys each had a goal in their last two games uh, over the last week. And, yeah, I would, I would argue that's still not enough, but they they're finding other guys, younger guys that are stepping in. You have to wonder how long Ben and Sagan might, you know, be retained uh, by the club here in terms of their long-term future uh, in Dallas, just when you have, you know, the kind of cap hits that these guys carry, um, you know, for his part, Sagan is, is 9.8. Uh, ben is 9.5. They're under contract for forever. So they would need somebody to take, uh, take the load here, but obviously uh, it's the young guys that are, that are carrying the weight instead. And in Detroit, we're starting to see a little bit more of that than maybe they would like on the back end, but the news is really good. We'll get to that in a sec, but topping the news uh, wire in in, uh, Motor City is the fact that Dylan Larkin, he got four goals and one assist last week, but he's now in COVID protocol. He was actually pulled 
from the ice during the middle of a hockey game when his results came through. Uh, so he got the bad news and uh, was banished. And we won't see him probably. Uh, he has to produce a couple of positive tests, but we could be looking at about a 10-day absence if things don't go uh, well in that regard. Lucas Raymond continues to light it up offensively. He's got a first-line role now to play with. Uh, he got four points last week, but his new center is going to be Pius Sutter, and Michael Rasmussen moves up to the center role on the second unit. Uh, and then on defense, Troy Stetcher may need surgery. He's dealing with an undisclosed injury at the moment. That's going to be a bit of a blow to a defense that now will feature a couple of youngsters among their top four Philip Ronick is a guy that we talked about a lot in the last couple of years. We thought he'd be their signature player on the blue line. But, of course, Moritz Sider has kind of lapped him a little bit in the early going this year and getting more of those minutes. They're both playing with veterans, Danny DeKaiser and Nick Letty, to round out that top four. And uh, it's a good thing they got a good look in uh, in the nets with Nedeljkovic and Grice. But I wonder if their goals against averages will both creep up north of three if uh, they're going to rely on two of their top four defensemen being primarily offensive types and uh, three of the four certainly uh, not not too uh, well-versed in the defensive end of their rink at all. Well, quick update on Larkin there. He did return to practice uh, just before we went on the air here, Paul. So it seems like maybe a false positive situation or maybe the, the initial test was inconclusive and, and they had to run another one. So not really sure. Uh, maybe we'll find out more after they, they wrap up their practice today. But he is on the ice, which would seem to indicate he's not going to miss any additional time here after, as you said, being pulled from that game. For the Edmonton Oilers, look, if I am a coach of the other team, I'm just going to tell you, for the love of God, stay out of the penalty box. <laughs> like, come on. this They're converting at 42.6%, which is an astronomical number and it shows in their stats. Leon Dreisaitl, seven goals in the last four games, five coming with the man advantage. Connor McDavid had six points in the last four games. Four of those were scored with the power play. Nugent Hopkins, three of five points with the power play here. Like these guys are going to destroy you if you give them the opportunity here. It's just, it, it boggles my mind that the, the one thing you got to do. They can't seem to figure out. Um, in terms of the net mining, Mike Smith is still out. Uh, Miko Koskinen has looked downright bad of late. Um, something that, you know, flashes we had seen last year. You know, when he first came in after Mike Smith got hurt, you kind of felt like, okay, maybe he's kind of turned a corner, went on a pretty extensive winning streak. Um, he's still 3-1 in his last four games. It's kind of hard to harp on a guy too much when he's getting wins. But let's look at the, the goals allowed here. You're looking at a 4.31 goals against average in those four games. Like that is clearly not good enough. He was actually pulled from uh, Tuesday's con uh, contest in favor of Stuart Skinner, who's going to get the nod tonight. So for those of you looking at, at DFS netminers, it's going to be Stuart Skinner going uh, in between the pipes for uh, the Oilers tonight. Well, AJ, you made me smile when you gave me the Dylan Larkin news because I got him in a couple of my fantasy hockey leagues. Let me try that again with the Florida notes here. When I talk about Alex Barkov's injury, he's a guy that I have on a couple of, of those teams as well. He's listed as week to week with an awful knee-on-knee -knee collision that I saw on TV. I don't know that he's going to come back uh, too soon. He's listed as week to week in the notes that I have 
have seen and heard. He got a goal and two assists in his three games last week. Uh, Jonathan Huberto picked up a couple of goals as well, but uh, veteran Frankie Vetrano continuing to provide steady secondary scoring with a couple of helpers despite his third-line status. Now we're looking at uh, Bennett and Lundell as the two top centers here for the foreseeable future, and uh, the precipice that Florida's on at the top of the division is threatened, I think, if Barkov's for any, out for any extended period of time. In the Nets, though, Surprising to note that Sergei Bobrovsky is 7-0 with a 178 goals against average, 94.2 save percentage, significantly outplaying the highly touted Spencer Knight. 4-2 is his mark with a 328 goals against and 887 goals against average. I mean, uh, save percentage. AJ, we got to talk about this a little bit because Spencer Knight was highly touted. It's very early in the season. He's still on a very good team. He's got plenty of time to write himself, but uh, in his first couple of cups of coffee here, not overly impressive yeah absolutely and i i think that uh speaks to why you saw um bobrowski take all three of the last games now they're going to go back tonight uh for for tonight's game which uh a bit of a opportunity for a bounce back as they're they're facing new jersey again and that was the last time he was out they they put six up on him in 30 shots so he'll he'll get a chance at redemption tonight and um for for those of you out there that might be Panthers fans, you're certainly hoping for, for a bounce back there or if you have them in your fantasy leagues. But I think at this point, we have to expect Brabrowski will carry the bulk of the workload moving forward. And you're not telling me that Barkov skated at practice today, are you? <laughs> I am not. No sign oh, darn of Alexander Barkov at today's practice. Okay. Uh, for, uh, for L.A., they're having a bit of an, an offensive uh, issue the last week. Uh, one goal apiece from Kopitar, Afanasiu, Lemieux, and Grundstrom. Uh, and that, you know, includes uh, a shutout performance against Washington last night. Certainly a thing slipping there. Now they are going to get Victor Arvidsson back. Uh, I think that's a significant boost for them. He played uh, last night. Four shots on goal in his first game back, and that's without really any power play time. Um, but I would expect as he kind of gets himself back up to full game fitness, so those power play opportunities will come, and he could hopefully help them rebuild that offense that was kind of um, you know doing pretty well uh, at the start of the season, especially during their extended uh, winning streak that they put together there at the end of October and, and into November. Um, so, yeah, things looking up for, for L.A. despite some recent struggles. Yeah, and you got to give credit to Jonathan Quick. Four and four is the record. 188 goals against average, 94% save percentage. And I wanted to highlight Alex Iafalo. He's been steadily improving in the last couple of years, but I think he's ready for a breakout year based on the 13 points and 16 games played. It's a career best pace for him. So the offense is coming around to, to match up with a uh, defensive focus here. Minnesota went one and two. The bottom six guy types uh, have kind of helped with scoring recently. Ren Pidlick with three goals. Ryan Hartman has moved up from a third line to a second line role, picking up 11 points in 16 games played. This guy's a sneaky good DFS play right now as he's got the plumb assignment between Kevin Viella and Matt Zuccarello. One guy a proven sniper, the other guy one of the better playmaking wingers that I see in the league. I'm surprised that Cam Talbot has started 12 of the 15 games here, partner over. Kakanen and the Nets, he had a very nice rookie season, did Kakanen, and they're 
Goals against averages are both right around three. Talbot slightly below and Kakadin slightly above. So I'm not really as sure about this discrepancy of starting assignments. They also get some good news from the infirmary as Jordan Greenway is back from the IR and he's going to be back in his left wing role on the top line. For uh, for Montreal, uh, they have brought back uh, Cole Caulfield today from the AHL. Um, he had a, a pretty good stint while he was down there, put up um, uh, five points in, in six games uh, for them. So you, you like to see that from Caulfield um, kind of rediscovering that offensive upside. And, and hopefully that'll translate once he gets back at, at the NHL level. You know, prior to his demotion there, he was he was pointless in, in four straight, had yet to score a goal this season. Certainly a far cry from the player that came blazing onto the scene last year and into the postseason. They've got some significant concerns in the net, though. Uh, that's Jake Allen uh, is out with a concussion. Uh, he did skate this morning, speaking of guys who, who skated, Paul, but um, is not expected to play. They still don't have Carey Price, who's, uh, you know, in addition to Price having stepped away from the team, he was dealing with that knee injury ahead of time. So they're going to go with Caden Primo against uh, the, the Penguins tonight. Uh, him instead of Samuel Montembeau, um, but really it's not uh, not good news either way um, to have, you know, really, I yeah, I've, we've talked in the past about Jake Allen being one of the better backups in, in the league, you know, when all things are are on the up and up for, for the Habs, having Price start and Allen to back him up is, is quality, but now they're without either of those guys um, and it kind of stretches the, the depth of their uh, organization. And one team that's starting to get some quality, I'll say, at Santa Rice is the New Jersey Devils, AJ. They went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. We've talked for a while that, about Jack Hughes. He's uh, dealing with a shoulder injury, and he'll be back in early December. And you wonder how things are going to shake out in the middle position when he does return because not only has Nico Heischer performed, he's got six points in his last six games, but Dawson Mercer has been a real revelation and headed for a breakthrough season himself with two goals and two helpers locked in locked in at the center position on the second scoring line there for now. And on the back end, Dougie Hamilton is delivering offense as expected with two goals and one helper last week. Uh, Jasper Bratt and Pavel Zaka also chipping in with some secondary scoring of five and three points respectively. So there's more good news than bad to report in the Devils situation. And it hasn't been that way for quite some time. In the Music City, uh, good news up until Tuesday's uh, matchup with Detroit that saw, or Toronto rather, that saw them blanked. Um, but prior to that, they had put up four goals apiece in each of their pre- previous three games. Um, you know, guys uh, contributing there Matt Duchesne, three goals to assist in his last three contests. Mikhail Granlin, a goal and four helpers. Roman Yossi, of course, continuing to rack up points with two goals and two assists over that stretch as well. Um, And really, you know, they'll get uh, a bonus day off. They're one of the teams that will be uh, affected by the Ottawa Senators shutting down for for a couple of games. They were expected to play them tonight. Instead, uh, Nashville won't be back in action until Saturday's matchup with Montreal. And then, A.J., that leaves me to talk about the New York Islanders. This is a team that's on a four-game losing streak. They're finally going to come home, though, after an incredible 13 games on the road. They didn't spend the whole time on the road. They came back during gaps in that schedule for for time. But they finally get to open up their brand-new arena this week, and I wonder if that will change their fortunes. 
those fortunes, in fact, took a, a bit of a blow on the ice as well with the news that Pollock, uh, one of their top defensive defensemen, is out with a lower body injury. He'll be missing for the next four to six weeks. And up front, there's a bit of a, a bit of an impact as well on, on the COVID side with Josh Bailey being sidelined there. That's afforded Kiefer Bellows to get a, another look at a top six left wing uh, opportunity. He has had a couple of chances in the past. He was a high scorer in junior, hasn't really translated at the NHL level, but it would be good to see Matthew Barzal get going. And that would be the best thing that Kiefer Bellows might have going for him. But Barzal's really struggled offensively out of the gate this year. So maybe the home cooking is, is something that will change this club's fortunes. And we'll look forward to seeing that and the new arena later this week. Well, you mentioned one New York club on a four-game losing streak. Their other team, the Rangers, is on a four-game winning streak right now, um, powered by their their net minding. And um, primarily, uh, it's been uh, Igor Shesterkin this season, who's been phenomenal. He gave up five goals in his last two uh, contests and, and really has put together a, a very strong start to the year. And it's not just the, the net mining either, though. You've got guys – um, throughout the lineup that you expect to produce are, are doing so. Ryan Strome, four assists in the last three games. Chris Kreider, three goals. They're finally getting something out of Capo Caco. He had two goals and one assist in the last three games. Jacob Truba, Adam Fox, uh, the list goes on and on of guys that are finding ways to contribute here. There's really not a lot um, to, to say about this club in, in terms of negativity right now. The offense is there. On both sides of the ice, the net mining has been solid, and uh, I, I would not want to be facing them tonight if uh, I were you, Paul. Well, and uh, nobody's going to be facing the Ottawa Senators tonight. You mentioned that. They were 1-2 and two in their last three games. We'll get to that Leaf Ranger game a little bit later. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, but uh, half the Ottawa club is in COVID protocol, partner, and their next start is scheduled for November 22nd at Colorado uh, Drake Batherson, probably the biggest name that joined the COVID protocols recently. Devin Taves somehow managed to score four points for this team, this decimated club last week. He's a young defenseman who was getting plenty of ice time. And uh, that's kind of the focus and the opportunity here for some of the younger players to get a look-see. And uh, not to say that Devin Taves is a raw grass-green rookie, but a lot of kids are getting a look right now. So it's it's an unprecedented opportunity for them to open some eyes uh, in this tough time that the club is going through. We wish the Ottawa centers the best in terms of getting past this uh, impact of COVID right now. In Philadelphia, it's uh, not good news on the back end after they had um, Ryan Ellis out of action for, uh, you know, nine, nine games. It looks like here he played on the 13th uh, against Dallas and then was out again on Tuesday uh, and now will be sidelined for four to six weeks. Yikes. They're not going to do surgery um, for what they're classifying as a lower body injury, um, but certainly it's not good news uh, to have him back on the shelf here. Seems that he re-aggravated the same issue. And even if he's on the four-week side of that timeline, you're talking about 14 games uh, moving forward that they're going to be without Ryan Ellis, which is a huge blow. I mean, you're talking about a guy who – you know, technically, if you want to, you know, take the games he didn't play out of the mix, he's on a four game point streak. He's just only played in those four games this year. He did pick up an assist in that one game he played. So uh, really tough news for them. Nick Steeler will carry 
the load in terms of the guy that steps into the lineup, but I would expect guys like Keith Yandel and Rasmus Ristolainen to see more minutes with him out. A similar situation in the forward groups. They did get Kevin Hayes back after that uh, that core surgery. He's got two points in his two games back. So good start, uh, you know, start back for him. But they're going to be without uh, more of a depth guy. But Patrick Brown suffered a, a thumb injury. They're classifying him as week to week and awaiting results of an MRI there. Uh, again, hopefully, you know, for their depth, they're not going to um, need surgery. But it's, uh, you know, been a rough kind of injury news couple of days for the Philadelphia Flyers. And at this point, we're going to take a bit of a break because we have our own salary cap issues. We need sponsors to pay for AJ's hefty salary here. So with that, we're going to take a bit of a breather. You're listening to the Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back to you right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back. You're listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. But before we get back into our teams, let's have a, another word from our main sponsor at Owner's Box. Over to you, AJ. Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament, salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players will, will receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. 
Be sure to check out Owner's Box new Superflex Salary Cap game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats and daily fantasy contests. The Superflex Salary Cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The super flex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments, for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only Salary Cap Contest. All right, let's give AJ a chance to collect his breath for a second. Before we continue, I'll get him to remind you how to get in touch with us during the upcoming week. Yeah, of course. As always, we invite you to send your comments and questions about the show, about hockey, um, really about about anything we're willing to to discuss with you uh, on Twitter. You can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can reach Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. We'll be happy to share the best questions. If, if we get some really good ones, we're happy to talk that at the top of our show as well. And AJ, we begin this part of the show every week with a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll just give a cursory glance at the top stats that I saw in a week that saw them go one and three. Evan Rodriguez has been a surprising and consistent scorer for you guys uh, with three goals and one assist last week. Uh, Jake Gunsel, one of the guys that we're expecting more uh, of that sort of thing, he delivered with two goals and one helper. And Crystal Tang has continued to supply offense from the back end, leading that group with his quality, skill, and experience, he had three assists. I'm hearing little things about Evgeny Malkin on the horizon, AJ. Can you begin your Penguins notes with an update on his status? Yeah, so Malkin had been doing some uh, some on-ice workouts the last um, couple of couple of weeks. Um, you know, we, we've seen um, him get some, some game action in there or uh, some practice action in there. Um, but really, the update remains the same. That they're they're really uh, you know that that initial timeline they've been talking about of um, January or late December, early January remains the case. Um, and, and I really don't think much has changed there. They've been adamant about that for a while. So um, really, just just more status quo as, as far as Melkin goes. Outside of that, look. I was glad I was on vacation last week and just, you know, spending time with uh, family and, and enjoying Florida. I didn't get a lot of time to watch those uh, dog duty games to, to avoid <laughs> us getting an, an explicit rating here. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad I missed that. Uh, losing to Ottawa six, three, losing to Washington six, one, and then losing to Buffalo. Um, so yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in Pittsburgh right now. Um, hopefully they can figure out whatever's going on because uh, it hasn't been good. Um, in Seattle, speaking of hasn't been good, they're riding five straight losses, which, uh, you know, Jared McCann was asked today uh, about that situation. And basically he just said, like, we've been shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, certainly McCann's one of the players that that has been producing for them three goals in their last three games. 
Jordan Eberle has four points. Jaden Schwartz has four points as well over that stretch, but they are going to need better um, from the, the rest of the team if, if they're going to put together any sort of, uh, you know, winning season. But, uh, you know, Philip Grubauer just has not been the same uh, goalie that, that was a Vesna Trophy candidate last year, responsible for all three of their most recent losses with a 8-4-9 save percentage over that stretch. In San Jose, AJ, they have been getting a lot more offense than I thought they might uh, this season. Logan Couture, their captain, is scoring at a career-best point-per-game pace through 14 games played. Timo Meyer adding to a nice start for himself with three points. We know what they have in a guy like Thomas Hurdle, another quality-scoring machine. But it's in the nets that, that there's a story that's uh, playing itself out, with James Reimer outplaying Aiden Hill by a wide margin in the nets and finally starting to get a larger share of the goal goalie starts lately. He's got a 4-2 and two record, a 173 goals against and a 94.3 save percentage. So there's some positive notes coming out of San Jose, uh, something we didn't really say too much of in that regard in the last couple of seasons. In St. Louis, it's a, it's a four-game losing streak for them. Uh, and, and really, uh, the offense has been okay from some of the guys. You've got uh, players like Jordan Cairo, four goals and, and one assist recently. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, Tarasenko with three goals in the last uh, four games. Robert Thomas, seven assists. So uh, it's certainly the offense finding ways to produce here, but the back end uh, obviously letting them down a little bit. Uh, when you consider Bennington 0-2-1 in his last three games with an 8-4-5 uh, save percentage, Joel Holfer got a start in there as well an eight seven five in, in that loan outing. So tonight they're actually going to turn things over to Vili Huso in basically what I would call an attempt to find somebody that can play a goalie for them. Huso has made just one appearance for them October 25th against LA. It was a winning shutout effort, uh, stopped all 34 goals that he faced. Um, but he, you know, missed a significant chunk of time, uh, partially due to, to COVID protocols, so that's been a factor as well. But um, I would say things are maybe wide open for him right now with, with as, as you know, difficult as, as Bennington's recent stretch has been. Um, Huso, if he comes in and puts up a, a performance like he had most recently, uh, they could ride the hot hand for a little while here. Yeah, they got to do something to change the fortunes there, and that might be the trick. When in, you're in is the net mining mantra at this point. In Tampa, they had a light schedule last week, but they won both of their starts, and Andre Vasilevsky proceeded for both with a total of three goals against. Surprise, surprise, he's still the best goalie in the world for my money. Up front, Braden Point with three points, and Victor Hedman with three points led the offense. But on the downside, another injury note worth talking about, Eric Zernak, who has locked, was locked into a top-four presence in, in the back end, is listed as week-to-week week with an upper body injury. That means more minutes and a bit of a reshuffling to veteran Jan Ruta, who is probably the, the best uh, behind Sergachev and Hedman in terms of the offensive upside to his game. It might even ri- include Ryan McDonough in that mix. He's been more of a defensive-minded guy in the last couple of seasons. Another note offensively up front, Matthew Joseph has got a new role with top six minutes coming his way on the right wing, and he made good with three points last week so as long as he's getting a look with some scoring types alongside he might be a very good sneaky value DFS play well I'll lead us into Toronto but like you did Paul I won't take up too much of the time here 
And just note that in their last 10 games, they're nine and one. Uh, and it shows a little bit of uh, maybe the slow start uh, that they got off to here when you consider despite going nine and one with a four game win streak, they're actually still two points behind the Florida Panthers uh, for the Atlantic lead. Um, but certainly, you know, you know, we talked about Detroit at one point being atop the Atlantic um, and we knew that wasn't going to last. Things have kind of fallen back into place, if you will, with Florida, Toronto and Tampa leading the way. Boston will be in the mix as soon as they play a few more games. As you said, they've only played 13 compared to Toronto, 17 at this point. So uh, give them a couple more outings and they'll be there as well. And the Atlantic will basically work out like we all expected. Well, I, I'm beginning with my concern about Jack Campbell. I'm not concerned about his play. I'm concerned about wearing him out. He's playing way too much hockey, leading the league in minutes played so far. They had hoped that they would have a tandem with Peter Mrazek. He's on the IR for a couple more weeks, it, it seems. And so they actually gave Joseph Wall a look in a game against Buffalo. And uh, he's not the answer in the near term. Maybe he's still a prospect of some renown going down the road. But they got to get some rest for Campbell somehow and hope that Mrazek, when he comes back, can stay back here. And then I'm looking at the left wing on the Leafs the roster here, AJ. Alex Kerfoot looks to be the best of the lot here. And he's, he's the guy that I've been hearing most about in terms of we got to get rid of this contract to make room for the other guys that we need to sign. And, and that means that the spotlight is on Nick Ricciotti's first line left wing. He's got exactly zero goals this season. And that's not going to keep him in that job much longer. I mean, the noose is getting tighter there. He, lucky for him, Pierre Engvall and Michael Bunting have failed with top six opportunities themselves, and they're relegated to the bottom six roles at the moment. But that's going to be a revolving door. In terms of positive news from the depth of the roster, the tandem of David Camp and Andre Kasha has finally started to pay some dividends, taking the pressure off the big four up front. And I like what I've seen from these guys at both ends of the rink. Kasha stopped a shot with a, a headlong dive into a, a shot uh, last week and was listed as day-to-day. He skated at practice this morning. Morning, and they're optimistic that he'll line up again offensively. And then on the fourth line, Wayne Simmons is another guy that I thought they'd get more out of, and it's just not happening for him either. He's been in a long goal, the slump as well. So maybe a couple of these guys get off the schneid against the Rangers. Leafs should be ready for them because the Rangers came in here a couple of weeks ago and beat them, one of the rare home ice losses for Toronto, and you know that the Leafs want to make uh, this a revenge effort tonight. And up next, we're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks. This is a team in disarray, partner. They're winless in their last five. Uh, GM, The GM, uh, Jim Benning, his job seems to be really on the line. He had uh, a public uh, speaking engagement where he was answering questions from, from the, the local media in the last 24 hours, and, and uh, he looked like a ghost, uh, quite frankly, uh, AJ. Uh, they're not scoring. The top two centers, Horvat scoreless in his last five games, Pedersen scoreless in his last four, Denko not impressing in the Nets with a five and seven record year to date, three point three one the goals against average, and a save percentage under ninety percent. None of these numbers are good. The only interesting note here uh, I'll add uh, to underscore the troubles is Tanner Pearson, a career third liner, is their top left winger on their roster with only six points in seventeen games. Something's got to give, and I think it will very soon. Well, something has to give eventually, you would think, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, They just can't get a lineup, (laughs) a healthy lineup here. You have a guy 
in Jonathan Marchessault, who's on a six-game uh, point streak during which he has seven goals, two helpers, and now unfortunately, as of Tuesday, entered the league's COVID protocols. They do have Mark Stone back. He uh, has you know a pair of assists in his two games back, so that's certainly a step in the right direction. But they're s- still without Patch Ready, Carlson, Patrick, obviously Eichel. We knew that going in. Uh, William Car- Carrier, Shea Theodore picked up a win, uh, an injury after crashing into the boards. Alex Martinez is now uh, on IR. He's missed two. We'll have to miss at least one more. Um, so it just, you know, just banged up and, and can't seem to get a full lineup together. I mean, you, you look at all the talent here um, and you would expect as soon as they do, they're going to start rolling over teams in the Pacific I mean, they already are doing well. They, they're sitting in fourth considering uh, all the absences here. But um, that I, I question if that's going to last, if they can't get these guys on the ice soon. And in Washington, you can say the same thing. This team is missing no fewer than five regulars from their top three offensive lines. Notwithstanding that, they had a busy schedule last week, and they went 4-1 and one over the last seven days, AJ. In the Nets, uh, Samsonov proceeded for two of those wins with the three goals in total allowed, and they're getting scoring from all over the roster here. Connor Sheary has moved up to the right wing on the top line, and uh, he is now a candidate for my sidekick theory, getting three points in that role. And Garnet Hathaway picked up six points, including five goals from his third-line right wing opportunity. Uh, Tom Wilson, the original sidekick uh, that caused me to realize this theory a couple of years ago, is piling up points on a regular basis. We've talked about him regularly in that regard. He added four more points last week. Kuznetsov centering the top line with five points, Ovechkin with five points. The scoring has been there, no question about it. And another note among the rosters moving around is Connor McMichael moves into the second line role at center ice. Uh, as this team, as I said, is missing five regulars from those top three units. The Winnipeg Jets uh, maybe had some question marks after their first three games of the season when Connor Hellubuck uh, gave up a combined 14 goals in those first three games. But having said that, he uh, is absolutely seems to be back to his usual self because he hasn't lost in regulation in nine straight contests. That's 6-0-3, a 2.51 goals against average. If there's something, uh, if there's a knock on his game at at this point, I would say the only glaring uh, absence for a player of his caliber is he doesn't have a shutout yet this year. He's usually good for anywhere from four to six of those a season. So you expect one of those will be coming sooner rather than later. But the the formula for them is, is back to working right now. Again, if there are some other concerns on the Winnipeg Jets, you know, I would point to the fact uh, that Blake Wheeler uh, is is not putting up quite the same numbers that we normally expect out of him. He did have two assists in the last three games and, and certainly seems to be trending in the right direction. But he remains goalless on the year, um, which will be a bit of a red flag uh, for fantasy owners, especially when you consider last season was the first time uh, since 2012-13 that he failed to hit the 20-goal mark. Obviously, last year you would just chalk that up to the shortened season, but at this point, uh, zero goals in 10 games starts to get a bit concerning. But again, it's 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 Blake Wheeler. 
you have to imagine those goals will start coming eventually. Guys not struggling for goals right now are Kyle Connor with three in the last week, Shifley with two, Dubois with two as well. And that concludes our look around the league. Now it's time for our DFS segment where on a weekly basis, AJ and I try to position you, our listeners, to win some money by playing the games on those platforms. We've enjoyed doing it for the whole time we've been on this program and we've done it with a lot of success. So really hope that you guys pay attention at this point to try and win yourself some dough. And with that, I'll turn to my partner, AJ, as he gives you the best look that he can find among the DraftKings opportunities tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to start with a, a bit of a San Jose stack tonight. I, I mentioned, Saint, you know, we talked a little bit about St. Louis um, being on a four-game losing streak, Billy Huso making just his second start of the year. Um, so there's some discounted Sharks that I think you can get tonight. It starts with Logan Couture up front. He's coming in at just 5300 which is pretty cheap on, on DraftKings in terms of centers right now. Um, he's rolling uh, with three goals and two assists in his last six games. Basically, he's been scoring every other night. So if that trend continues, he's due to score in tonight's game. And because he doesn't really break the bank for you, you can pair him up with linemate Timo Meyer here at 6,000. Again, another player, you know, he missed some, some time. Um, but if you take the, the games he missed out, he's on a three-game point streak. And in fact, in terms of games he's played, he's only uh, failed to at least get one point in one of 10 appearances this season. So um, both of these guys will pair up on their top power play unit as well. My other center is going to be Rupe Hintz for Dallas, 5,600. So really not breaking the bank at all tonight. You know, when you consider um, two guys under 6,000, when the top of the price range is Connor McDavid at 95, Leon Dreisaitl at 91, and Austin Matthews at 8,500, respectively. Um, you're really doing pretty well to save up and, and get two guys that are producing relatively regularly right now. Speaking of that, I, I think at this point, you almost just have to have Troy Terry in your lineup. Um, Paul, you uh, I don't know if you have checked his price on FanDuel. I'd be interesting to see if it's significantly higher, but on DraftKings, He's still coming in at 5,500, and you're talking about a guy on a 15-game point streak. Literally, the only game he didn't score in that, that he played in was the, the season opener. Um, since then, has been on an absolute tear. Like I said, 14-game uh, point streak here, 11 goals over that stretch, um, nine assists, six of those points coming with a man advantage. Like Until his price creeps up on DraftKings, or he hits some sort of skid. I, I think you have to consider using him. I'm going to revert uh, to said same sidekick theory for my next guy. Not exactly blowing up the points right now, but Jason Zucker comes in at just 3,700. Needs some cheaper options here. He's goalless uh, in his last nine. I think that'll serve to lower his drafted percentage here, but his shots over that stretch are sitting at 26. So just about three per game. Uh, and he's getting power play opportunities as well. So I, I think Zucker is in a good spot. And they're, as I said, Caden Primo going to start tonight for Montreal. So maybe a good opportunity to snag some Penguins here. Um, we were doing our, our show with DraftKings earlier today. And, Paul, you mentioned actually Shane Gostas Bear um, being on a tear. And, and I, I had to look it up for myself because I almost didn't believe it with how much he'd struggled 
in previous seasons. But as you pointed out uh, earlier today, 13 points in 16 games at 4,600, that's a steal uh, on, on DraftKings. And then I'll pair him up with Miro Heiskanen, 6,300. He uh, is another player just really hot right now. And the one thing I, I mentioned about Heiskanen, technically when you head over to, to Rotowire, he's going to be listed on the number two power play unit. And that might be a red flag to some people. But again, you look at these units, they're really splitting up some of their talents here. I mean, the number two unit, quote unquote, has Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Dennis Gurianoff, and Ryan Sitter. Like that's that's a 1B if you have to call it that. Um, so really, I, I like Miro Heiskanen. A little pricier at 6,300, but I think worth it. And then my utility spot, I'm going to go with a guy that's playing, uh, for lack of a better term, out of position here. You've got Ryan Hartman at 4,300. Uh, I believe you pointed out earlier in the show, he's going to line up with two of the big guns in Minnesota here. They kind of shuffled things around at practice today. They had been using Kirill Kaprasov with uh, Matt Zuccarello, but it's going to be Fiala, Hartman, Zuccarello on the second line. And I, I like that spot that he's in for 4,300. Between the pipes, I'm just going to keep it simple. I know we mentioned his struggles to start the year, but Spencer Knight and the Florida Panthers are the heaviest favorite uh, to win tonight. Uh, last I saw, they were minus 185 on the, the DraftKings Sportsbook here. So um, heavy favorites playing at home against New Jersey. I think it's a decent spot to pay up, even though you do have a lot of options with an 11-game slate. And uh, I'll talk about that 11-game slate for a minute, AJ, to, to uh, headline my strategy. I had to look for where I think the biggest mismatches are, could be, and I'm looking at the Calgary visit to Buffalo. So I'm stacking the Flames tonight, and I'm looking at Pittsburgh and Montreal. I'm surprised you, didn't, you weren't all over that one because I think that's another stack opportunity. And the third one that I identified is Tampa Bay's visit to Philadelphia. So with that, let me swing into mine. But before I do, I'm going to say I, I did say I wanted to have a word about the Rangers' Leafs tilt. Last time we met about a month ago it was 2-1 hockey game. A lot of scoring ability on the ice for both teams that night, just as it is tonight. But I expect more of the same. I think it's going to be a titanic defensive struggle despite the, the, the fact that there's so much talent on the ice. There's outstanding talent in the nets. I think the Leafs are going to flip the script. I think Toronto's going to win three to one, but I don't see any value in picking the skaters in that one, other than maybe the goalie to win the tilt. But I'm looking at my lineup as follows. Uh, Anthony Sorelli is going to be one of my centers. He's, he's playing actually on the same line as Braden Point, but they've got them both listed at center for $4,200 and $7,600 respectively. That means I'm fading the likes of Matthews and McDavid Matthews, McDavid has a tough matchup too. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, I mentioned on today's show at DraftKings, that he must be in the heads of the Edmonton Oilers. He's beaten them five straight times, and they won quite handily along the way. I think they're going to make it six tonight, and that's why I'm avoiding the Edmonton team, and I hope there's a lot of big ownership on their big guns as a result because I'm going to ride the likes of Sorelli and Point as two-thirds of that top line as my center positions for 4200 and 7600 respectively. On the wings, you mentioned Troy Terry, AJ. I'm fading him because he's a lot more expensive on FanDuel. He's $7,000, so I went no higher than that with all of my picks at that position, including Matthew Tuchuk, who's right at seven, Mark, uh, for his uh, assignment against the Buffalo Sabres. I also included John, Johnny Gaudreau as part of my wingers, looking at that same matchup. Gaudreau and Kachuk both averaging over 13 points per game in FanDuel play so far this year. I think they're going to fatten up those numbers against the, the lowly Sabres and uh, 
an American Hockey League goalie in the Dustin Tokarski. I assume he's getting the start again. On defense, I went with a tandem of guys that spent a little bit more than I normally do on the back end, AJ. And uh, I look at Cam Fowler uh, at home against Carolina tonight. Uh, that's the league's best team coming to town. But Fowler has been on a tear since the opening faceoff this season. The points galore and factoring in with block shots as well. And uh, $4,300 is his price tag. He's also the anchor of, of the power play on this team. And then Tony D'Angelo, I talked to him early, about him earlier today. He's played the solid citizen so far for the visiting club from Carolina and uh, really cleaned up his act off the ice. And on the ice, he's been what he always was, a scoring machine from the back end. And he, too, is in a plum assignment of quarterbacking that solid power play. I get him for $5,200. I round out the squad with two utility types up front. If you want to call Andre Palat a utility type, do so at your own risk. He's a first-liner on the two-time Stanley Cup champions. And he goes for $5,700, making me get all of the, all three of the first-liners from Tampa into tonight's lineup. And I finish up with Jordan Cairo, who is one of the surprise scorers and breakout stars from the St. Louis Blues. We talked about their struggles. I think they get off the mat tonight in that regard and get a home victory over the visiting Sharks. And Cairo will be a part of that offense this evening. I paid $6,200 to get him. And then what I always do is is look for the softest touch, the the biggest win probability on the board. And I think that's in Buffalo tonight where Jacob Markstrom, you mentioned, he hasn't been the problem with Calgary. Uh, He's delivering with the solid goals against and still, for my money, one of the top three goalies in the league. And I get him for $7,900 in that tasty matchup. So that's my look at this team uh, in FanDuel's uh, panels. And we'll see if we can get into the winner's circle once again. AJ, before we sign off, we got a full slate of games tonight. Which ones catch your eye or is there anything topical you want to end the show with? Um, I mean, obviously the the Penguins are playing tonight, but I'm not sure how much I really want to watch that that game for fear that they're going to lose to Montreal, which will just make me angry. Um, I do like the 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 Rangers Toronto game should be a, a fun one to watch, and then obviously later in the evening catching Winnipeg and Edmonton uh, again. You you know you mentioned could be offensive, uh, could be a goaltending battle on on one side. Um, you know McDavid versus Hellebuck. Um, so some plenty of options to choose from tonight. Yeah, there'll be plenty of surf- uh, channel surfing at my house, AJ. And uh, with that, I'm going to get ready for it. After editing this show and getting it out there to our listeners, we want to wrap up our, our uh, fifth week of the regular season, look back at uh, a number of guys breaking out and showing us that they're going to be surprise additions to uh, to their clubs this season, bigger surprises than many anticipated. And we've given you a shine, shine the light on them a little bit this week. We thank you for listening to Rotowire Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast, and we also thank our sponsors at Owner's Box. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. And as always, we invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.